0: Hi everyone. Welcome to the Career Medicine Podcast. This is your host, Nassar Ahmad. This is episode 96 of the Career Medicine Podcast. And this episode is part of the Career Expert series. If this is the first time you're joining us, what we do in this Career Expert series, we focus on career advice for job seekers and freelancers. But that's the goal of our publication, CareerMedis.com, anyways. And I'd like to invite experts, professionals, practitioners. Uh, who share their ideas for today's job seekers, and for today's uh, career expert series episode, we'll be learning and hearing from Justin Ducks, who's the host of Career Cloud Radio. Recently, Career Cloud Radio was also was, was awarded by Maxlist as one of the top career one of the top career podcasts. So we'll we'll learn we'll learn about that as well. But hey, Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, congratulations. I think Mac's list, I think it's two, three weeks ago, released a list of top career podcasts, and you're one of them. So, congratulations on that.
1: I have a lot to thank to Chris Russell, the founder and prior host of the show. He he had made that list as well. And when I had Mac on my show, I was able to just mention that you know the host name had changed. And so, you know it's one of those awards that you're kind of like, I don't know if you just got my name right or... Uh, if I earned it, but I'd like to think I earned it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, your publication is—I mean, uh, Career Cloud also has a publication, and you've been doing the rate. The show has been going on for many years, mm-hmm. many months. So, I wanted to ask you a question before—I mean, before we get into the whole Career Cloud and Career Advice. You know, I love the audience to get to know you better. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Right. Um,
1: I started hosting last May, and it's a exciting story for me because it impresses my friends though it's just me being me. I saw that careercloud.com, the entire website was up for sale on a marketplace and Chris Russell being that original founder. And uh, we started emailing and I got on the phone with him and and asked him, you know, I can't afford your website, but I really like that podcast. And I'd like to help you add value to that and maybe reach the price point that you're trying to get for your site. And Chris told me quite honestly, you know, I've sold a website before. I, I know what it's worth and what I'm willing to take for it. I, you know, thanks, but I, I'm not going to need your help with that. And he was very nice about that. That didn't sound as nice as in a retelling, but he, he was very, very professional and nice about that. He was just being honest. And so a month or two later, I noticed it did finally sell. And I reached out one more time. I said, hey, Chris, could you connect me now with the new owner? I'd like to offer my assistance there. And to my surprise, the new owner was more than happy. I just literally volunteered and raised my hand and said, I'd like to host that podcast that you just purchased. Did you have any intention to do that? And he said, no, I just got exiting a sale of a different company, Reviews.com out of Seattle, and I, I need to take a break. Uh, while I finish that up? And a week later, I had a podcast microphone on my desk that he had sent me. And all I had done was asked for the, the privilege. And I, I just hope uh,
0: I'm doing a good job. That's actually amazing. The story itself is amazing. I want to get back to the story for a little bit but. The whole point for anyone listening is sometimes it's as simple as asking, and this applies to anything, like your career. You want to get a new position in your company, raise. Sometimes you just have to ask. Yes, they might say no, but hey, you might even get it. So that's amazing. This is actually an interesting story because I have hosted other podcasters, other career coaches. They run their own show. Your story is really unique. So I'm I'm curious, what is it about the Career Cloud Radio that drew you in?
1: I feel like
0: I've you
1: know stumbled in my career for 15 years, and now I know things that I'd wish I'd known 15 years ago, and I wanted to have a, a channel or a, a way to share those thoughts with people. And this story starts back a long time ago because my friends were telling me, Justin, you've got to put some of these thoughts down in a book, you know, because I would be wor- working with them on their careers or my thoughts on how they could get this next job or something like that. And they said, Justin, that's brilliant what you just said. And I wouldn't see that. It was like a blind spot. I would just think that was, doesn't everyone see this see it this way? So they, they suggested I start to write a book, and I did. I wrote about, you know, a chapter and a an out, three-page outline of every chapter that would be possible in this this book, which turned into a book series outline. And I got stalled out because I noticed that I wanted to say some very bold things, uh, you know, actions to take. And I had no support with that. It's not that I had done these things in my career. They just seemed like good advice that I'd wish I'd heard. And so I, I got to thinking, I need to get these stories to support my theories from people who actually do these things like career coaches or career seekers, you know, job seekers. And that's when I, I realized I didn't have that audience. I didn't have, you know, a thousand cl- past clients to, to reference for these, the support of these arguments. And so that's what turned me on to the idea of podcasting. When I saw that site up for sale and saw that it came with a podcast with five years history and three, 200 episodes it's uh, two, between 2 and 300 depending if you count some of the ones that are um you know just kind of an announcement of one one kind or another that established listenership is like a community to me it's it's a place for me to curate these stories and later you know 10 years from now i'm hoping to you know continue or resume writing that book uh, book series
0: so what I'm hearing is this experience gives you all the, story, the stories that you need, or even the inspiration that you need to add, add to your book. And I read a lot. And one of, the, one of the common themes in all the books is there's so many stories. And sometimes it's the story of the author, or sometimes it's the story of the people the authors have met. Right. And I, and I thought it was going to be a
1: bad book if it was eight chapters of, and then I did this, and then I did this, and I tried this once. It just got really redundant. So now I think of myself and kind of how I've evolved in this last year to be a story seeker for job seekers. And I really like the sound of that because it's kind of like my brand, because it's the investigative side of finding the story. Because a lot of people will tell me things, especially on my podcast, and then I'll hear this clue and I'll be like, there's more there. There's something, there's, there's a story, that's the beginning of the real story. You know, like one of my guests in an episode that'll be out later this year, she's a founder of a recruitment website and we talked for an hour and had some great advice come out of that conversation. But right at the end, she hits me with, yeah, and my intern is now my chief operating officer. And I was like, hold the phone. That is a story in itself. Mm -hmm. Who is this? And so I got on the phone with her name was Kelsey and we have another half hour interview with her now. And that's what I mean. That's the chase of finding that moment in a conversation where there's more to it and trying to pull that out and bust apart a myth or find out where somebody changed or grew and try to meet that there. Because I think that's what my listeners want. I I hope so. They want to hear these moments of change so that they can resonate with themselves and find the truth for themselves that works for them.
0: One thing I like about this conversation so far, Justin, I think you're an amazing storyteller. Like, The more you talk, the more I'm interested in learning about that. And that's amazing. You mentioned about someone you have met or spoken to who's gone from an intern to chief operating officer, which is actually very exciting because it's one of the missions of my podcast and publication is to inspire people, not just job seekers, but also ones who have jobs that it doesn't have to be the be all end all. It's your goal in your career is to constantly go up. And I'm happy people can listen to stories like that if you're not happy with where you are, it doesn't have to be that way. You can move up,
1: right? Yeah, and and I've hit so many roadblocks over the years that that's where that kind of asking for what I want began. It, it's it's become a part of me to make sure that I never miss an opportunity because I left it unsaid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and there's a lot of times where I'll ask for something, you know, advancement or promotion or something. And I'm not, I'm met with resistance. I'm met with, you know, this feeling deep down that that was the wrong time to ask, but at least I can walk away learning from it and knowing that, okay, I need to present my case better next time. Well, at least this, this might be the moment of inception. They know I'm thinking about that now. And now if I follow up in six weeks with some progress, it it strengthens the request, you know,
0: things like that. Does that make sense? Like on a career perspective, it's like a habit, right? Because initially you may not be the person who has the confidence to ask, but you ask something and it might be a small thing and you get the confidence. And then over right. time, it becomes a part of who you are. What I'm learning from our question so far is you are that person. Like you are constant, you have seen successes by asking and now you just ask and amazing things happen. Absolutely. And, and I keep thinking of my
1: friends because I've got a couple of close friends that are, you know, follow my progress. And I can't tell you how many times they look at me dumbfounded like, you just asked for that? <laughs> you're, you're kidding. I would never do that. And, and I'm like, and I just kind of shrug because it, it's become that kind of a habit. The way you responded, though, did inspire a quick tip for your listeners, though. I've learned that it's really common to be my first approach by email yeah, because I'm usually working at my desk, emailing coworkers for various tasks and whatnot and replies. So it's natural that your first thought is, well, I going to have this idea I want to ask somebody about. I want to enroll somebody in something very brand new that I want. You just think, well, I'll just start typing an email. Uh-huh. Well, that can be good, but don't send it. Use the email drafting as refining your request and understanding what it is exactly you want to ask for. But then stop before you send it and then think of one person you want to enroll in the idea and then go find them and talk to them face-to-face to do this. This is so rare in our culture today because we live on our, our, these tiny screens, our cell phone screens and our laptop screens and our computer screens. And we forget that there's so much information from body language and facial expression that we could be receiving that we don't get when we do it by email. And so I've, I, in this last couple of years, I've, I've been seeing more success and better enrollment in these creative ideas when I'm standing in front of somebody and getting a chance to see those signals and how they're receiving it, it allows me to abandon the idea sooner and say, wow, they're just not getting this. I, this is a, I I might've caught them at a bad time or they already got a meeting coming up or something, or it allows me to see that they're lighting up and their eyebrows are raising and their, their facial expressions are showing me feedback that this idea has some merit and I should develop it more. And so I hope that one little bit of advice can, uh, encourage people to take that conversation offline and, and see what they learn from it.
0: That is actually an amazing tip because every time I do an interview like this, I'm always looking for one thing that I can take away myself and also for the guests. And we have been on this theme for the last few minutes, which is, which is very important because a lot of times we get so caught up in the technicalities like, oh, how do I craft the best resume, my interview, body language preparation? How do I negotiate that? But there are some fundamental tenets of your career and such as the asking part. And what you're saying is like, don't just use just email as an excuse to ask, but see if you can get them in front. And I have a quick story to share, if I may. This whole podcast thing, this, this is episode 96, as I said at the beginning, started because I asked someone for coffee because, and I met him and he was doing a podcast at that time and he inspired me and I never met him again and because he left uh, Toronto so so what happened is he was a c-level executive for a large financial services company in Toronto I reached out to him I, I saw what do you do for your podcast it's amazing I'm curious to learn more can I meet you for coffee he said yes we met him and I said this is great I don't know if I can do things like this but I want to and he said you should and of course i didn't start right away it took me two years of procrastination and here i am at 96 and that's just one meeting and i could not i haven't had a chance to meet him again what i've also done recently sent him an email and invited him to come back on episode 100 because he started this for me <laughs> so uh, and he said yes so that is great but it's amazing like and if i only communicated with him by email i don't think i would have got this far if i hadn't sat down with him for that one hour like someone at that level who can inspire some, a young professional, take their time away. That means it could have an impact.
1: Right. You're, you're getting a, a conclusion I reached this year on a similar note. As I get older, I'm realizing that it takes very little to form a relationship. And that and seems so counterintuitive to me because we have some of our most loved people in our lives that we spend hours per day with that we think that's the new standard to be a, a professional or well, that's a, that's a romantic relationship. But I mean, like you, you, you accidentally apply that same logic to a professional relationship is what I'm trying to say and think that because I need coworkers that I spend hours a day with, and those are strong network relationships and that's not the case at all slowly. And this is a hard learned lesson. I've realized that one hour of somebody in your network every five years is considering high impact and very powerful. And that is a low bar to set. So what do I mean by that? Like, I think of some some people in my network where I just send a quick email once every couple of years saying, Hey, what are you working on now? Or I saw you change jobs. What does that mean to you? What does it mean for your family or something like that? Are you excited? And that's all the reconnection necessary for them to still know who I am. And they know that I'm thinking about them. And If you can take that to a high level of communication, like a a coffee or, or a phone call, I highly recommend it. But I know we're all busy and you don't always get the chance to do that. But I could point to a handful of people in my network where that's all I've done. And that is such a little amount of effort to just let them know I'm still thinking
0: about them and know they exist. Did that make sense at all? Absolutely. And actually, you gave me something else to ask you, because this is amazing, because uh, we just slipped into this topic of networking. And what you mentioned is, I want to come back to that, because you said a small conversation every five years can have a meaningful impact. So and of course, like you are a classic example of someone who is a master networker. You reached out to the founder of this radio now you're running the you're the host by a simple phone call so i'd I'll love, I'll, I'll love to hear more of your thoughts on this so when people think of networking the first thing that comes to my their mind is an event like a networking event the second thing of course is linkedin of course it is getting a little bit very repetitive and impersonal you take it one step further so for people listening what other the tips would you recommend i mean you gave a great advice about send them a note once in a while But what else? I'd love for you to expand on this topic because it is so necessary.
1: Okay, let me me do my best. And I'm I'm still forming a lot of these theories. But a couple of things came to mind first. I think the best mental state to be in during any networking conversation, and specifically when you're trying to reach out to somebody for a networking conversation, let's say, uh, just to put a name on it, like an informational interview with somebody in a field that you're interested in. Is a great approach. The mindset, though, or the the mental state you want to be in is gratitude because I find it has the least amount of dissonance for the person sending the note. And what do I mean by that? I spent 10 years in sales. I was very successful at it. But that was a crash course in all of the myths surrounding sales and why do people think sales is icky. I mean, I've attempted to sell Kirby vacuums, which is not a very prestigious industry. I've sold, you know, vitamins and I've sold cable internet, which was one of my better sales jobs. And I've sold roofs, you know, I've, I've sold a lot of different things and, and even um, lead generation for softwares that cost hundred thousand dollars. It was a really great time too. But, you know, so there's a the good and the bad, but in all of that experience of sales, I came to the conclusion that getting your purpose out there immediately is very important. Because the moment people sense that this is a a sales approach, I'm about to be asked for money or I'm about to be asked to buy something or I'm about to be asked to help somebody, all of your defenses come up as the recipient of that message. And the best way to break through that noise or dissonance or or overcome that hurdle in their receipt, receipt of your message is gratitude. It doesn't have to be words in a message, like typed out. This is how you approach them when you sit down in front of them for coffee. You know, thank you so much for spending some time with me. The purpose of us getting together is I wanted to learn more about this industry because I'm thinking of pivoting into it. See what I did there? Gratitude and then immediate purpose of why we're talking so they know where we're going next. If you sit down at coffee with somebody or get on the phone with them, which is still just as effective, by the way, and your first words out of your mouth is so glad you could make it. I need a job. I'm looking to get a job at your company. I saw it posting last week. Hmm. The, the, well, here's the funny part. They can see right through that. Even if you don't use those words, it'll be clear in your intent within five minutes if that's the real purpose of this meeting. And then it feels icky. And then it feels bait and switch which is where all the bad myths about sales come from. So to turn it back around 180 and look at it from the other perspective, that salesman kind of background that I have, the best sales, the ones that were never forced or never manipulative are where you find that perfect match. To me, I've kind of built this philosophy and you can read any sales books that shares it because that's how you get to become successful at sales is you have to realize that it is not icky at all if you have a product that offers a value to the marketplace, a customer needs that value because it solves some problem, then that transaction is 100% guilt-free and almost joyous because they should be receiving the value the product offers and they have exchanged whatever the price was. Now, when you take that into a world like networking, the transaction is a little lost. You don't exchange money to network very often. I hope you're not. <laughs> maybe you buy the coffee or maybe you buy the, the dinner or something like that. But that is etiquette. That's not really a transaction. So the, what I think of is, as the transaction is, am I giving this person an opportunity to help? And is it op- the opportunity to help something they want to give? That is kind of the, the, the aha moment for me and I've been hearing some of my guests on the podcast, echo that as well, that it is rewarding to help somebody else. So you have to make sure you approach them with something they can do. So what does that mean? Go back to the approach. Now, the moment you're asking to sit down with somebody for coffee, if you ask them about a job posting that just got posted, they can read through that and see that you're asking for a job. That's something that person probably can't give you. They're not the hiring manager. They have no influence in the decision. They don't even know what that, those people are looking for. So the best response you usually get for that kind of a request, that invite, is, oh, I don't know, I'm busy, but I think you should talk to so-and-so. That would be the best you could get. There's a lot worse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you switch that on its head, 180, and you say, instead, you approach them long before you even see a job posting posted, and you recognize that this is an industry or a company I'm interested in networking into you know, six months to a year earlier than that posting goes up. Now it's a gratitude approach. You know, I am looking at this field. It looks like you've got a successful career in that. I see right here on LinkedIn that I can tell that you've done this for 10 years. I think there's a lot I could learn from you if, if you just give me 30 minutes of your time to tell me what your experience has been. Now, you notice those words weren't gratitude. It was the intent behind them. I was trying to use a tone of voice that shows that gratitude. And I'm not being manipulative. In order to do that, you have to tap into that actual feeling. So that's probably one of the last things I'll say about it. Then, With gratitude, it's one of the few feelings out there that are very difficult to fake. I'm not trying to advise people to t- go out there and try to fake feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to
0: show you there's some feelings that if you tap into, people receive them very well. Wow. <laughs> that's probably one of the best answers I've got for this particular it's a different approach. I like that. I really like that. And that is so true. And there's a lot of things I can talk about. What I heard is when you go in with a sense of gratitude and when you're not faking it, people can really sense gratitude is not something you can fake. Right. Right. I'll be honest. Gratitude is not easy. I I have this gratitude journal every day, but there are certain things I'm truly grateful for and people around me know that. And one of the second things I got from this is, if you put your purpose out there immediately without masking what you're hoping to ask, that'll put them at ease and they're more likely to help. That's amazing. It's, it's actually true. And funny enough, I was thinking about the interview that with the individual who motivated me to start this podcast. I first met with him and thanked him for his time. And I said, can I buy you coffee? He said, no worries. I'll buy you this time. And I said, thank you very much. And I, I directly asked him, I'd like for you to mentor me because I see what you've done with your careers. I am, I want to get there. And he said, yes. And when I put it out there, right big at the beginning of the meeting, he said, yes. And funny enough, of course, things didn't turn out. He, he had to leave the country and we only had one meeting. But now that I think about it, and I've also done the other ones where I have tried to meet someone and I'm trying to get, Hey, listen, I want my audience to know I, even though I share all this advice and the through the podcast, I have messed up. I, I've done things very wrongly going to an event and handing my business card and resume asking for a job. I've done that as well. It doesn't work. Right. So right. lots of great ideas you have shared here. You just uh, reminded me of a
1: couple more. I'll start with the most recent one that came to mind because I can't remember the first one anymore, but in where i've gotten stuck in trying to network with people especially back to my earlier point about trying to be oh my gosh the time's up it's almost been 5 years i haven't talked to this person i don't really like this person let's get something on the calendar i miss this person and i want to make sure i keep that network relationship strong and then it stalls out because you can't schedule anything i have not done it yet but i'm i'm concluding in the last 6 months because of having to schedule a bunch of guests for the podcast and other reasons that there is a tool out there now that has solved the scheduling problem. There's a lot of copycat tools too, but the first one that comes to mind is like a calendly.com, you know, and, and where you send out a link to somebody saying that is agreed now to meet you, but you don't know when yet. And so you send them this link that shows them dates on your calendar that are free and they pick from that matching it up with whatever's free on their calendar. Oh my gosh, we need to all be doing this. And I, I just, I'm struggling because I already pay 7.99 to Netflix. I wasn't expecting I needed to pay 7.99 a month to get this Calendly service as well. Maybe I got, maybe the free for versions enough. I, I, I have a little bit more research to do. However, the point is the same. I have like somebody I'm thinking of right now who fits all of those things I just described. You know, I worked with him for like a six months project. He could have been a mentor, but we just kind of went our separate ways ten years ago. And now I've been following his career and realized I need to reconnect with him. It's been too long. And I even have emails right now of where he's agreed to get on the phone with me and we keep missing each other. I'm probably up to like attempt seven now in the last six months of like, how about this date? And then two days later, the reply back is, ah, that doesn't work for me now. I sorry, that that's a poor date to choose. And then I send another date and he's like, no, how about this date? And then I send back at one more. that exchange needs to die. We, we need, I need to send them, a one-step process to tell me what day will work for him and he can pick it and it's on the calendar and committed to. And I need to do this with anyone in my network. If it's worth giving somebody time, let's get rid of all that runaround to find the
0: time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there are tools out there, technology that helps you do it better. So why not leverage it, right? Right. That's amazing. So, I wanted to switch gears to go back to your show now i love I love this conversation, but I just wanted to go back to one of the things we we spoke about at the beginning. We started hosting the podcast almost a year ago. You met a lot of amazing guests for all the career advice that you've heard so far in the last year, what has been the one that stood out the most oh gosh there's so much i gotta I gotta have one called to mind here
1: it, It's so tough because when you Edit your own episodes. You get so so deep into every second, like right. every pause, every breath, and so it's like I almost have too intimate of a knowledge of every interview so far to re- recall what the best best moment was. The one that is coming to mind right now, probably just because I'm editing it right now, is I think it was Allison Cardi who said that there's like this wrong time to go, the kind of this wrong way to go about networking. She says a lot of clients that she has will figure out that they need to start networking or get active out there because they're about to make a switch, a, a career move. And they stay where they're comfortable and they just continue to interview or, or sit down for informational interviews with people within their same field. And then the, the, when they try to conc- make conclusions from all these conversations, they realize they're still in the same place because they just talk to people that were already close to them or talk to people that were already in their comfort zone or their field. And if you're trying to move out of that field or try to move into a different role, that's very different than what you do. Now you have to be able to recognize that you're getting kind of poor information. <laughs> like you're getting, you're learning from people who aren't, aren't in that. And so um, she goes on to say that, you know, sometimes you have to reach outside of that comfort zone and ask people that you would never think to ask for those, those sit-downs and for that networking conversation. And here's the most important part, though. She re- revealed a little bit that there is some strategy to that. And I would give this advice to anyone now too: start in a practice arena and move closer to your actual targets after you've practiced. So let me use the example of the Twin Cities market where I live. We have a, we're, we're blessed with a lot of top employers in the nation, You know, Medtronic, Best Buy, Target, General Mills, Cargill. They're all based out of here. If I make a decision that I need to switch my career in the next two years and I need to start this networking approach that Allison was just referring to, maybe for these networking conversations, I should go practice out of state and search LinkedIn and find some people that work at top major employers with over a thousand employees get their feel on that field career path or whatever in an area that I'm probably, or a company that I'm probably not going to be applying to in the next year. And then I can start mastering my messages of what I'm trying to present about myself in these short conversations that are informational in nature. So then, you know, you do that for three, four months, right? Then you come back and start in the network. You actually want to pursue where you have an agenda. So now I come back to the Medtronic networking conversations. I come back to the Cargills, the the general mills, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm reaching out to strangers there. Same approach that I've practiced and same messages that I've been practicing now. But at least it's not it's more refined now. And I don't I don't waste those conversations before I know what I'm trying to say.
0: That's amazing. That's a unique piece of advice as well. And it's amazing. We were able to tie that advice to networking, which we spend a lot of time talking as well. So Justin, after listening to this episode, if a guest wanted to reach you or f- learn more about you, how could they do that?
1: They can email me at justin at careercloud.com. And if they're um, curious as well, they could email my producer, Omar, at careercloud.com as well. He, he'll handle guest requests. or. Um, maybe be able to um, connect with some other resources too.
0: Sounds good. And uh, we are about to wrap up here. We are coming towards the end of the episode. Before we wrap up this episode, Justin, any final pieces of advice? Any last words? Don't answer your own questions.
1: I'm kind of speaking intuitively here now. It's not like a rehearsed answer or anything. But in, t- in the conversations I have had in this last year, the number one thing that's emerging is this hurdle that people have is they, they try to figure it out themselves, and they don't have the answers. But yet they convince themselves that what they've concluded is the answer. And so talk to more people, hire a career coach, read more articles. It may be overwhelming at first because there's so much information out there, but in seeking the truth, you have to realize that the truth is only going to matter to you. What works for me, what works for you, what works for John? some fictitious person could be completely different. And so you're the only one who can figure out when it resonates, but you have to hear from more than one person. You can't be yourself.
0: (laughs) That's an amazing piece of advice as well. Justin, thanks for joining us. You shared lots of ideas, very interesting and unique ideas. On behalf of the guests, myself, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening to yet another episode of the Career Medicine Podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview, and also the links and resources that Justin has provided. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really loved it, definitely, definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is your host, Nassar Ahmad. Thank you.